Good evening and good morning, Los Angeles, and welcome back to another episode of the Apologetics.com radio show. My name is Jason Gallagher, and I am in studio in Glendale at KKLA Studios with my good friend Daniel Adrian, a regular guest here on the Apologetics.com radio show. How are you, Daniel? I am very blessed to be here. Thank you for asking. Amen. Thank you for being here. And we will be with you for the next hour as we challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe. And uh, com. we have been here on KKLA for the past 20 years and are supported by listener donations. We are not paid to be here. We are strictly volunteers, but we do rely on the generous uh, support of our listeners. So if you are inclined, if you'd like to support the work that we're doing here in the greater Los Angeles area and really to the ends of the earth as we seek to advance Christ's kingdom through the defense and confirmation of the gospel, we would be grateful. You simply go to apologetics.com and click on donate. That's apologetics.com. Click on donate. Uh, for tonight's show, we will be talking about a topic that is at the heart of Christianity and a huge part of defending and confirming the gospel. It is an apologetic topic that any any student of apologetics, you know, for some amount of time will be familiar with, and it really relates to the truthfulness and reliability of the scriptures. It's what, it's what we consider one of the foundational kind of apologetic topics. Um, one of the you know, as as my good friend Christopher Nicewanger used to say, there's there's a certain number of, of topics that are kind of over-the-plate apologetics that every Christian should be uh, deeply rooted in and firmly entrenched in in terms of their ability to um, kind of talk about and think through from an, from an apologetic perspective. And that is, you know, the Scriptures, the doctrine of Scripture, the reliability of the Scriptures, the truthfulness of Scriptures— and so on. But, um, and part of what Daniel and I would like to do tonight or this morning, depending on how you're looking at it, or what we would hope to do with that topic, is to look at it in light of the cultural backdrop we find ourselves in the middle of. Um, but, and we'll be talking more about that as the show goes on. But before we get into that, we do have to some housekeeping kind of items to take care of. As you all know, this is a live call in show. Um, there's no pre-recording, there's no editing, and uh, we would love to hear from you, our listeners. So wherever you happen to be tonight, wherever you're listening from, we encourage you, uh, pick up your phone, give us a call. If you have any questions about really Christianity, apologetics, the Bible, Daniel will answer all of those questions for you because <laughs> he is, you know, a genius, uh, very bright, and, uh, you know, he's just a a great student of the word. Um, I really appreciate him um, being here. But if you could call us and talk to him um, at triple eight ninety nine five KKLA, that's triple eight ninety nine five KKLA. Really simple. Um, but just pick it up. Give us a call. We got lines open. We'd love to hear from you. Um, tonight's show is also sponsored by the Branch of Hope Orthodox Presbyterian Church. Um, I'm an, a newly ordained elder there. Uh, Daniel is a longtime deacon. He's been a deacon there for about five years, you know, going on five years or so. Um, and we're pastored by Pastor Paul Vigiano. You might have heard him. He's on KKLA Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on some pre-recorded 
sermons. But we would like to invite you personally to come visit us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. in Torrance, California. Uh, Every week after the sermon, we have a time of question and answers. Uh, So we encourage you, please come visit us. And if you do come, please make sure to to say hello to myself or Daniel or Pastor Paul. Let us know you're a listener from KKLA. We just love to um, connect with you on a personal level. Um, we'd also like to let you know about an upcoming apologetics conference uh, that we will be hosting at our church on March 11th. Uh, the title of the conference is Thy Kingdom Come, Thy Will Be Done. It's an apologetic conference that's dedicated to a clear understanding of Christ's kingdom and how we are to participate in the establishment and the growth of this kingdom. Uh, there will be three lectures followed by a Q&A time. And we just hope you consider joining us. Again, it's March 11th from 6 to 9 p.m. at Branch of Hope Church in Torrance, California. If you go to our website, branchofhope.org, and click on Events, you could find more info. That's branchofhope.org, and click on Events. Um, With that, we will jump into uh, the topic of our show for tonight, which is you know, at its core, the truthfulness and reliability of Scripture. And we're going to be looking at that in the context of our current cultural landscape in America in particular. But obviously, you know, we always keep an eye on, you know, the global context and this idea of, you know, bringing the gospel to the ends of the earth. So, um, Daniel, you know, again, welcome to the show. And would you want to kick off with any, you know, opening thoughts regarding, you know, the the topic of our show tonight? Sure. So whenever we talk about truth and how it connects to God and God's mind and our minds, uh, a verse that we use and has often been used liturgically, you'll find this in the worship service. I'm going to give you a little more context than what we generally read, but I'm sure you'll hear the familiar part. And uh, hopefully it'll be clear why it's relevant to what we're talking about and what we'll be exploring together, Lord willing. It's Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 through 11. Hear now the word of the Lord. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it." Thus far, the reading of God's holy word. If you zoom in on verse 11, it's his word that goes forth continuously from his mouth. It's his word that does not return unto him void. It accomplishes whatever he pleases, and it prospers in all the things he sends it. So this would come to whether we know anything. If he intends us to know something, he sends his word to us and we know it. We're mm-hmm. going to be talking about that. It comes to his purposes, right? He, his, his purpose in the world is for the truth to be victorious, uh, that the truth would trample underfoot lies. Mm-hmm. And we'll be seeing that as we talk about 
the strange days we're living in, mm-hmm. unprecedented days for a lot of our listeners, certainly for yep. me sure. at my uh, ripe old 36. But yeah, <laughs> so I wanted to start with that because I think it sets the table of when the Lord sends his word out, it accomplishes the purposes for which he sends it, even if we don't understand Amen. what those purposes are. Amen. Yeah. And, you know, that that's going to kind of get into, you know, some of the some of the craziness, the chaos that we find ourselves in today, you know, um, as Daniel was mentioning, God's word will go forth and it will accomplish what it has been uh, destined or predestined to accomplish. But um, we have a role to play in that, in that we are called to be um, preachers of the gospel, not in the formal sense of a herald, you know, a formal preacher, you know, the the teaching elder, the minister, the pastor that is ordained to preach the word on Saturday mornings. But in um, in another sense, the word preach simply means to proclaim. And in that sense, all of us who name the name of Christ are called to be proclaimers of this good news. You know, Mark sixteen fifteen says. Uh, to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And in that sense, we are to proclaim it, you know, wherever we go to every creature. And if we are not doing that, if we fail to do that, there there will be an absence of God's word. And, you know, in that absence, I think um, there will be, you know, something will fill that void. And it won't be truth, it won't be goodness, it won't be beauty. And, you know, if we were to if we were to try to analyze why we find ourselves in the position that we're in today, which we'll get into, um, you know, part of it could be, you know, the fact that we have been too complacent in our role as uh, preachers of the gospel, proclaimers of the gospel, fulfillers of the Great Commission. You know, perhaps we have failed to... Uh, bring the the gospel to all nations and teach them all things that I've commanded. And so we want to bring this idea, this apologetic of the scriptures, the truth of scriptures, the power of scriptures, um, to bear on the times that we find ourselves in and the cultural backdrop we find ourselves in, you know, regarding truth, is is quite an interesting one. You know, we have multiple uh, streams of information coming at us all day long, right? Um, you know, we have Facebook, we have Twitter, we have NBC, we have, you know, CNN, we have all these different outlets, um, which is giving us information. And there is truth there is uh stories that contradict other stories there's fake news there's the idea of you know free speech and censorship and so on and so forth and so we have a sea of information we have a sea of misinformation and you know just culturally speaking we're in the middle of this covid pandemic and there's different sides to that story you know what is the truth about covid where did it come from and we're not seeking to answer those questions here, but we're just kind of throwing it out there. You know, what is the truth about the vaccine? Is it safe? Is it unsafe? Um, what is the truth about, uh, you know, masks? Should we be wearing them? Are they helpful? You know, you'll, you could find, you can go online and you could find, 
you know, two different sides of that story, maybe three, maybe four, maybe five different sides of that story. You know, anything politically, you know, what is going on at our southern border? You know, what is going on with our economy? Uh, what is the truth about truckers? You know, this whole convoy and all this stuff. And as a Christian, you know, I, I see all these things and I see Christians, you know, getting getting heated and wondering, you know, what's true, what's right. And, you know, there's a bunch of arguments that are going on. And um, even within the church, there's division, right? Um, how do we respond to COVID? Should we stop gathering for worship? You know, should we gather? Should we not gather? Is it loving to wear a mask or not to wear a mask? You know, is it loving to get the vaccine or not get the vaccine? Um, I'm sure people listening right now, if you were to, if they were to you know, talk to them, they'd have different, you know, opinions on these issues, right? And that's perfectly fine. But I think, you know, in the church, um, it would seem that if we are all following the same truth, the same biblical truth as revealed in the scriptures, um, that there would be a sense of unity, right? We read about that in Ephesians 4, right? That we would all grow in the maturity and in the knowledge of Christ, and that we would come to a unity of the faith, right? And as we, and so, but we don't find ourselves there in today's world, right? We find ourselves in, um, in a world where there's a lot of disagreement, you know, um, but yet we're all pointing to the scriptures. Um, and so I'll kind of pause there and ask Daniel, uh, what do you, you know, what are your thoughts on, on this issue, you know, this idea of truth, you know, all these different opinions that we're faced with, um, even in the church, you know, we can't seem to find agreement on some of these important topics. Well, you were talking about earlier, you know, our own duty to fulfill the Great Commission, our own duty to share the gospel, to proclaim it. And a way to simplify that, I think, for the listener, maybe, at least this was helpful for me and has been is to talk about, you know, the character of a Christian, what marks a Christian out, what distinguishes or differentiates him or her from the rest of the world, is they are a proclaimer of the truth. Mm. So if we start there, that a Christian is one who says the truth, who speaks the truth, who proclaims the truth, who heralds the truth, then what is the, not the penultimate, but the ultimate, what's the, what is the truth that we should be conveying? What's the thing that we should really, 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 really be trying to get out there, even, you know, contextualized and embedded in cultural narratives in order to make it more apprehensible? But what are we really trying to get to shine through? Well, of course, the, it's, of course it's the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Right. Because if, you, if I convince you of all positions, let's say there's a, I have a slate of positions, one through ten, and I get you to agree with me mm-hmm. on the truth of all ten positions— and then you burn in hell everlastingly. I don't really feel good about the work I just did. Right. Because I'm really more concerned, and all Christians should be concerned, with the soul, loving Amen. the soul. Not to the, ex- not to the expense of the body, not to the neglect of the body, but mm-hmm. we're looking for you to spend eternity with us. And so that, right. I think, prioritizes the gospel first. Mm-hmm. So the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 2, I think I'll pick it up in, oh, uh, let's see. We'll go with verse 7. We'll pick it up in verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, 
For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. He goes on to talk about, these are the things which we speak in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, no, not that, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. And we compare spiritual things with spiritual. So we're, so the source of this knowledge, if you think about an unbelieving man, an unregenerate man, what knows himself, how, what, what is there that's known to him more than his own spirit, his own soul, right? His soul knows the deep things of himself. Mm-hmm. Well, the Spirit sure. of God knows us and reveals these things to us. So this verse, as we go on, even if we went and read the rest, right, mm-hmm. it goes on to say that pri- the, the that primacy, that preeminence of the spiritual I was talking about. It's the spirit that discerneth all things, right? So it's these spiritual things that we must prioritize. What people I don't think often think about or reflect upon is that the truth itself is spiritual. Animals don't yeah. know truth because they don't have souls. They might know true things as to their nature, Right, but they can't know truth the way a spirit knows truth, the way a human spirit knows truth, made in the image of God. Okay. So the, what when uh, you've heard this talked about, we've talked about on this program before, truth is immaterial. I mean, okay. Okay. So truth is spiritual. I'm just trying to think of this animal truth thing that you just brought up. Oh yeah. Well, so we, when I walk over to my refrigerator, my dog certainly knows that there's some good good stuff in there. Mm-hmm. It's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and wants those things. It wants those things. Well, according, and we can, we, according to its nature. Yeah, we could talk about the soulishness of animals over against. So they know human they know souls. truth on a certain level. Yes, but not not to the same degree that humans do. Yeah, and, and what what level of truth am I getting at? Is this this truth that informs life in the moral and ethical dimensions? So it would be odd to think of a dog making a moral or sure, ethical sure. choice. Yeah. Like what dog is representing the canine species and sacrificing itself? What dog sure. is setting a moral yeah, yeah, yeah. example? Right. Um, but that doesn't mean that dogs aren't great and we love them. And like the, I said, yeah. soulishness of dogs might be a fun thing to talk about right. at some point. Right, right, right. My, my, you know, just kind of a tangent, my kids, you know, we have a dog and we love our dog very much and you know the dog loves to lick us and stuff like that but i always tell you know i tell the kids kind of in a joking manner like the dog's not licking us necessarily um you know because they love us you know the dog likes salt <laughs> you know and our skin has salt on it so even when the dog is licking us and kind of being affectionate to us there's also there's always you know i believe a selfish motive there you know they like the taste of salt and our skin has salt on it and you know they're just gonna keep licking because <laughs> you know it's kind of pleasing them 
Yeah, or even even not even talking about it in the lens through the lens of like pleasure or selfishness, just something a physiological physiological stimulus that's desirable. Right, right, right. right. Not even not even evaluating that. But yeah, we anthropomorphize our animals, which is a big word for just saying we kind of give them human characteristics for a reason because God has made us compassionate Mm -hmm. towards His creation. Right. Right. We're we're reckons. only to the degree that we are, our flesh would be as nothing, right? It would be as grass. It would be as that which withers, the flower that falleth away, that droppeth off and vanisheth. We're only significant in the God-given significance of being made in the image of God, Mm -hmm. right? So he he makes us in his image. And so then because God himself is truth, which we'll be talking about, it's not only that he speaks truth, it's that he is the truth. Mm-hmm. Because that's the case, if we're made in his image, then our image should conform to the truth. Right. So when we lie, or when we're deceitful, or when we're less than 100% honest, we like uh, percentages and proportions in this culture, but we're less than fully honest, then we're violating that image, because God is never not fully, absolutely right. truthful. Right. And that violation leads to some of the chaos that you're talking about. And so what the inspired apostle is talking about here, what the Spirit is teaching us, is that this is why these spiritual things are of greater value. You you mentioned love. Love is very big in the culture. I I pray that it'll be turned to the right— Biblical love. Yes, the rightly ordered love, the biblical love. Thank you. But the love um, is—the love that we look at in the culture, although— perverted, although twisted, although turned away, it's still, even through that, through the privatio, through the through the degradation of good, we see true love, and mm-hmm. we value that, and Christians certainly should. That, again, would be spiritual. Mm-hmm. It's what does it, there's no, there, it's pretty nonsensical to talk about a body loving a body, mm-hmm. particularly apart from a soul, because if we go back to first principles, how would a body be animated, how would it have life? How would it be living without a soul? without a soul? So all that to say, we can connect love almost directly to truth. We can, I would say directly, uh, because it's in God's character. Mm-hmm. Beauty, which you mentioned, that which is true is beautiful. That which is beautiful is true. There's no, there's no contradiction there. Mm-hmm. Goodness, which we mentioned morality in the context of dogs, that connects to truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so... You know, as it kind of like comes to fruition in our lives today, for me personally, you know, when you see a distortion of truth, whether it's in the news, whether it's on some headline, whether whether something's being suppressed that you know is true and it shouldn't be, it's uh, it doesn't sit well with us, mm-hmm. right? Because we are made in the image of God, and as Daniel was saying, you know, when we when we violate that image, it doesn't, you know we know that there's something inherently wrong with that, right? And so we have, in addition to the distortion of truth, you know, um, we have taking place in our, in our culture right now, um, and, you know, on a wide, on a widespread scale is this idea of censorship or this idea of cancel culture, right? Um, one of the prominent examples right now is Joe Rogan. Right. I w- I'm not a huge fan of Joe Rogan, you know, never really listened to his podcast, um, all that, you know, you know, regularly. But he does have a lot of different speakers on his show. He offers lots of different perspectives. 
And, you know, he was recently maligned and, uh, you know, kind of ostracized and they're trying to cancel him because he had a couple doctors on his show. Very well known, very world renowned, you know, experts in their fields who were giving a different perspective on COVID-19, the vaccines, treatments, etc., than what the kind of mainstream media establishment has been, you know, pushing. And Joe Rogan, with some 40 million plus listeners, you know, has, you know, quite a lot of influence. And so he found himself at the center of basically cancel culture and trying to censor him and people trying to say, you know, Spotify should stop his shows and you know, he's already getting $100 million offers from other, other venues, which will host his show, you know, tomorrow if need be. Um, but the point is we find ourselves in this culture of censorship where you have truth being suppressed, and that should not sit well with us, and it doesn't sit well with me. Um, you know, and it gets me to ask the question of what is the, what is the root cause behind this? What is the driving force behind this culture of censorship, this culture of cancel, cancellation, you know, is there, uh, what is, you know, as a Christian, I understand that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against powers and principalities and rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, right? There is a spiritual battle going on, which Paul, the inspired apostle, as Daniel was mentioning, makes us, uh, you know, very well aware of, you know, especially in, you know, Ephesians 6, right, Um, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, um, and that we have spiritual weapons. You know, we have the breastplate of righteousness, um, you know, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, the shoes, you know, shod with the gospel and so forth. And, you know, it makes me ask the question, well, what is behind this? And I think if we go... If we go back and we start to look biblically at, you know, well, what, where do we see censorship in the Scriptures? Where do we see this distortion of truth in the Scriptures? And it brings us really all the way back to the beginning. Um, you know, actually the bookends of Scripture, right? Um, you know, Revelation tells us that Satan is the deceiver, you know, he, that he's accusing the brethren day and night. Um and Genesis shows Satan on the scene right away, you know, the moment after God speaks his first words to to mankind, um, you know, and kind of jumping in there and, and distorting some of the truth. So um, I do hear the music. It sounds like we're coming up on a commercial break here. Uh, we're talking about truth. We're talking about censorship. We're talking about free speech. We're talking about the authority of the scriptures. And uh, this is the Apologetics.com radio show, and we'll be right back after these short messages. The mission of Apologetics.com is to challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe on the radio, on the internet, and now in the Life of the Mind conferences. If you believe in the work that Apologetics.com is doing, we encourage you to support us with your prayers and also with your tax-deductible gift so that this ministry will continue on the air, on the web, and in events near you. Gifts of any amount are appreciated, and it's very simple to participate. 
Just go to apologetics.com and click donate. It's safe and secure. Or you can send your check or money order to apologetics.com, 1900 Southwestern Avenue, San Pedro, California, 90732. Thank you for supporting apologetics.com. When a fine musician gives a masterful performance, some credit goes to the musician. But don't forget the composer. Hi, I'm Chuck Swindoll. Remember, the music is the composer's gift to the musician. Then the musician applies his or her skill to the composition to draw the best from it, to thrill the hearts of the listeners. What does that mean to us spiritually? God has created us. He's given us spiritual gifts, and now our goal should be His good pleasure in the exercising of those gifts. With God at work in us, we are to live to glorify Him. And that's music to His ears. Pastor and teacher Chuck Swindoll Visit Insight for Living's website at insight.org. This is John MacArthur with another edition of Portraits of Grace. The story is told of a missionary on board a ship who was awakened one night by a frantic cry of man overboard. Immediately he grabbed a portable lamp and held it at the window of his cabin. He couldn't see anything. The next morning he was told the flash of his lamp emitted just enough light to enable those on deck to see the man and rescue him. Wow. Darkness is even more debilitating in the spiritual realm because it represents sin. Fortunately, Christians have been called out of darkness into God's marvelous light. Praise Him for granting you the saving grace and the illumination of His Spirit so that you could recognize His truth and respond accordingly. Be a light that shines for the sake of others. This is John MacArthur looking forward to bringing you more Portraits of Grace. All right, let's get back to the Apologetics.com radio show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Apologetics.com radio show. We are in the second half of our show here. I'm Jason Gallagher. I'm in studio with our good friend, Daniel Adrian. And we are talking tonight about, really, the truthfulness and reliability of the Scriptures, and we're applying it to the kind of cultural context that we find ourselves in. We were talking in the first half about uh, the nature of truth uh, from the Scriptures and how we find ourselves in a current culture that has much uh, distorted truth, it has much uh, fake news, it has censorship, Um, you know, speech is being attacked if it goes against the kind of mainstream uh, narrative that they want to uh, put forth. And we're trying to understand, we were just getting into the conversation uh, right before the break of what is kind of the driving force behind these things, you know, this chaos, this confusion. I know a lot of Christians, I know a lot of people in general look at the world around us and they're just like, man, there is so much misinformation. How do we know what is true, you know? Um, you know, what is really going on in the world, you know, of COVID? Where did COVID come from? You know, are the, you know, the vaccines good or bad? Are masks good or bad? You know, what's going on at our southern border? What's going on with our economy, inflation, and so on? And there's so many 
um, differing opinions. And, you know, when certain opinions come forth, they're pushed aside and they're blocked from um, getting out to um, the the majority of the the world through, you know, these avenues, you know, um, that have been, you know, kind of taken over by big tech. And so, you know, it makes me wonder as a Christian, you know, what is going on? You know, why why do we find ourselves here? And so we were just about to kind of dig into that a little bit. Uh, but we did have a caller on the line uh, that we wanted to go over to, and is looks like their name is Favion, or and um, has some comments on truth. So, um, welcome to the Apologetics dot com radio show. How are you? Fine, very good, thank you. God bless you, by the way. Yeah, God bless you. I hear, yeah, it's like me, uh, like you know, hey, uh, myself, I'm nobody. You know what I'm saying? I'm yeah. just a person. Just like you and me. I'm the same, you know, yeah. Just like you and everybody else. Yeah. And it's like, uh, I've, I've, I've lived my life, you know, uh, completely in basically uh, uh, prayer and things like that, and always wondering, you know, like, you know, why this thing, why would this happen uh, this way? And, you know, like, why? Okay, at first, I was like, did God put his son in such agony and everything? Okay? Mm. I would always pray and wonder, and why? You know, I'm not read on the Bible. Maybe a few books okay. I've read. Okay. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And it's like, okay... Um, I started, uh, thinking about, okay, um, we are mirror images of the Father, right? We're made in His image, yep. Right, made in His image. And that, that would mean we, okay, have His, um, Spirit in us. So, what came out of me was, if we, okay, love our children so much as to want to give them everything, okay? Mm-hmm. How much more love would the Father, okay, being greater than us, want for us? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I sure do. I think it's you're like, you're referencing a parable. Right. I don't even know that. <laughs> yeah. And it it's like, okay... Thinking about this even further, mm-hmm. uh, what God would, I mean, humble himself so much to come down uh, as man, basically. Mm-hmm. Because he did say, you know, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father, right? Yes. <clears throat> so Excuse it's me. like, wow, you know, that much love to come down to teach us. Mm-hmm. You know, to listen to. And then started, you know, going through the words he said. You know, it's like parables, you know. He spoke, he spoke in parables, but it was teachings, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, what absolutely. A, what else has parables? The Bible, right? Yeah. It's all basically parables, really. 
Did you and did you have any specific comments, Fabian, on or questions or questions on? Huh? Um, did you have any f- specific comments or questions on the topic tonight, or just on the Bible in general? Uh, well, just on the Bible in general. Mm-hmm. It's just that um, basically, it's like uh, it's, I was thinking of this right, and how some things didn't match. Okay, in the Bible. Okay, like okay. It would say, I know how that one uh, phrase goes. God did not give a, uh, a what's called a um, a spirit of fear, but of um, faith, love, you know, and uh, power. Right. Yeah. Right. Sure. Something like that. And then it's like then it said, "Fear God." Okay. Now that sure. I saw didn't come come uh, what's called didn't call. Um, Converse with each other, because why okay. would you fear someone that loves you so much? But that is instead of fear, what it what it should have been. Okay, it's more like respect type. Yeah, of fear. Because, well, let me let me let Daniel chime in on that. So yeah. Daniel, um, okay. yeah, you know God has not right. given us a spirit of fear, right? But. But we, we are, we are f- called to fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yeah. Um, can you comment on that for uh, Fabian? Of course, Fabian. Is it Fabian or Fabian? But anyway, thank you for calling. Uh, I think you're Fabian. on to something important here, which is there are only the appearances of contradictions. So when you read the Bible... If you read it on a surface level, on a a level that, and I'm not saying you're doing this, but many people will, it's almost like they're reading it through the lens of trying to find gotcha parts of the Bible. So this is one that we deal with quite a lot in Christ Church. The fear that you're talking about uh, in terms of the holy fear, the fear that we're commanded, is not a servile fear. It's not a slavish fear, but is rather, and you almost hit the word, directly it's a reverence fear it's a respect it's an awe i was just looking at this word providentially the other day so it's an awe-filled respect and reverence for god Mm -hmm. whereas uh if you think about the kind of estate you're in the condition you're in outside of christ you should there's nothing scarier than god You would have a servile, a slavish fear. You would fear him even beyond that. You would fear him rightly as your destroyer. And so this connects to what you were saying earlier about what happened with Jesus. So Jesus actually took our hell, right? So the hell that you and I deserve, that we deserve by birth, by nature, Jesus suffered that full wrath. He compressed all of our eternity of hell and torment into his suffering and that's why you need that suffering that's why that suffering is precious now of course that suffering is not this morbid thing it's only in the light of the empty tomb and the ascended lord right he's ruling and reigning right now so we don't terminate our eyes at the cross we rather see the cross see the empty tomb see him ruling and reigning right now and worship him accordingly. Mm-hmm. But you've you've cut you've touched on a number of things here, and I think it's very good May to I? highlight that there are no real contradictions in God's May word I? because it's the same author, right? It's God speaking and giving his mm-hmm. truth through men in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. So there's never any contradiction. Yeah. Okay. 
May I say one thing? Sure. Okay. Yeah, one final thought, and then we'll have to go to a, another caller. Okay. No, because uh, he also uh, he also said, okay, uh, uh, Jesus, right? He also said when the uh, apostles, um, what you call it, asked him uh, to teach him to pray, he he gave us the Our Father. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, he did not say, okay, that we were to worship him. Okay. Now, isn't that okay? Um, like going a little bit too far? Yes. Okay. He gave us the command to worship the Father. Basically, he is our King, but he said worship the Father. No, but he received worship directly. Uh, which would be blasphemous. That would be a death penalty offense if he were to do that and was not God. And he also does, I, I mean, you were talking about this earlier, if you've seen him, you've seen the Father. So it's right. the way that we're worshiping the Father in spirit and in truth is actually through Christ and by the Spirit, by the Holy Ghost. Yeah, let me let me leave you with one thing, Fabian, um, before we— yeah. Before we move on, okay. um, it's okay. it's a good question. You know, we do we do worship the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Um, you know, we worship a tri- one, yeah. we worship a triune God. Um, right. f- I think one of the best examples of that is in Philippians chapter two, where uh, we read uh, the Apostle Paul describing the person of Christ, right, and having the same mindset of Christ, and he basically says, um, you know. In your relationships with one another, he says, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in yeah. the very nature God, right? Jesus was in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, yeah. he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in yeah. appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Because of that, it says that God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, right, every knee should bow Mm -hmm. in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge Mm -hmm. that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So Mm -hmm. when it comes to this, when it comes to this question as, you know, you know, worshiping God, and worshiping Jesus and you know Jesus is our you know you mentioned Jesus is our king and we're to worship right. God well here right. in Philippians 2 it tells us I mean, that we are that every knee will bow at the before Jesus Christ right yeah we know yeah. from the 10 commandments that the second commandment says you shall not bow down to any graven image anyone but God you shall not bow before yeah. them Right. And so here you see the whole world in heaven and on earth and under the earth bowing their knee mm-hmm. to Jesus Christ. And when they yeah. do that, it's bringing glory to God the Father. So if well, Jesus I is, yeah, I, if Jesus I, is not God, then no. bowing to him would be a sin, and it would not bring glory to God the Father. But Philippians 2 tells us that bowing the knee to Jesus— brings glory to God the Father because they are one and the same being. When you worship Jesus, you're worshiping God yeah. the Father, and the same is true with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Okay. 
And if we didn't have another caller, I would want to answer yeah. more questions. We, we would love for you to call us back or email us with any other questions because I think you're asking yeah. some really good ones. Good question. Um, great comments. And you could uh, follow up with me at jason at apologetics.com if you want to email um, or call back. You know, we're, we're jason at apologetics.com. And um, okay. we're here every Friday at midnight as well. So please call back. Um, we do appreciate your question, and uh, we're going to move on okay. to another caller. Thank you for calling. Alrighty. And we're here once a month. Thank you. Thanks for Thank calling, you. my friend. Once a month? Yeah, we're we this this particular part of yeah, the program? Yeah, I'm in here once a month, but we're here. Okay. Other hosts are in every Friday. Well, I've had many, um, what you call it, uh, divine appointments. Uh, it's like Good. I just uh, find myself they all in are. and right. people find me all over. So Awesome. Great. All right. All right, Fabian. Thank you. Take care, my man. You're welcome. You take care. God you bless. Bye bye. All right. I'm trying to drop Fabian, but I'm going over to Brock. Brock has a question on First Timothy two. Brock, you're on the air with apologetics.com. How are you? Brock, are you there? All right. We will wait and see if Brock Calls us back. Calls us back or comes online. Interesting that that verse came up. Um, Which one? <laughs> the Philippians verse. Because, oh, yeah. Because I actually think that that uh, translation is very dangerous. Oh, to himself all things oh. on oh. earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood oh. of his cross. Oh, um, hey, Brock. And so, yeah, that was just... Hey, Brock, can you... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We missed the first part. In. You just came online. We didn't hear anything you said up till now. So, oh, I apologize. I said thank you very much for taking my call, and I just had a quick, um, you know, just encouragement uh, in Colossians uh, regarding the last caller about the supremacy of Christ, uh, Colossians one nineteen. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And then the other one was uh, also in Colossians. Right, 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. So um, those are some awesome. scriptures I, I like to go to. But anyway, so Thank with uh, First Timothy, um, and I might be reading from King James. Um, okay. my preferred, it's just my preferred app. Just like Daniel. That, uh, what I learned with. <laughs> First Timothy 2, uh, I guess 4 5, um, 4 and 5. So we'll have all men to be saved. Uh, and mm. come to the knowledge of the truth, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Um, and then I guess in 6, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. So I was just saying, like, um, I think that there's a division and kind of worldview um, based on the trust factor, whether that's going to be God's eternal truth, and then we have a supreme, absolute authority that we answer to where all um, logic and reason proceed forth from that universal truth that, that will always be eternally true. Or we have a trust in something else, which is going to be um, ultimately discerned and limited either by approval approval of the world, approval of man, 
or some other, um, you know, predefined uh, system of rationality, you know, that already exists. Um, but I think that one is self-serving, um, you know, serving man in some some fashion, and then the other is God-serving that exalts God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So I said a lot, but um, I think that's really can get us back to that uh, topic that you're talking about of what we see in the world and, you know, the, the various confusions. Mm-hmm. I would just say that people want to be, you know, they think they're right. <laughs> you know, I've, I've had to learn to humble myself in certain ways. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, God God is truth. And then, then we have, even within the church, different varying, um, you know, opinions on, on certain things. Um, mm-hmm. But the unity we find in Christ Jesus and then, um, I believe those who have the spirit of truth will be led into all truth. Yeah. And uh, there's a conviction and a reception of truth. Uh, for me, when I hear it, um, it, it's home. Sure. You know, and the soul and spirit. And um, I usually go and, and research more and then, uh, you know, can adopt it and, and you know, integrate it <laughs> into my um, belief in Thank you. Yeah, we appreciate that. You know, I think you're touching on, you know, some of the stuff that we were actually, you know, going to, you know, touch on as we as we did kind of further into this this topic. Um, you know, as far as the confusion and the chaos goes, um, I think, you know, one of the one of the places that it's clear to kind of see what's happening is if we, you know, if we think about the character and nature of God, it, it goes all the way back to Genesis, right? In the beginning, you know, God created the heavens and the earth. And how did God create, right? He created by speaking, right? God said, let there be light, and, and there was light, right? God said, let there be an expanse between the waters, separating water from water. God said, let the water under the sky be gathered into one place. God said, let the earth produce vegetation. God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky. You know, God said, let the water swarm with living creatures and so on. And, you know, as he gets to day six, he says, God said, let us make man in our image, right? According to our likeness. And, and then God said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And so speaking um, is foundational to God's character. And Jesus, as we know, the second person of the Godhead, is the word become flesh to dwell among us, right? So he truly is like he's the incarnation of God's word, you know, being brought forth. And we know from Hebrews uh, chapter 1, I believe, that... Jesus is upholding all things right now by the power of his word. So if God were to stop speaking right now, uh, we would cease to exist. We would have never been created, and we would cease to exist. And so as we move to Genesis 3, the first thing God spoke to man was basically, you know, be fruitful, be multiply, 
Um, I've given you every seed-bearing plant. You know, this will be food for you. And and then he says, you know, basically, you know, do not eat from this particular tree. And it's it's in this very first, you know, message that God sends to man that Satan comes in and tries to distort that message, right? And he says, well, did God really say not to eat from this tree? So he questions the word of God, and then he also questions the character of God, right? saying, well, God knows that if you eat from this tree, you're going to be like him. You'll know good and evil. You'll be powerful like him, and he doesn't want that, you know. And so he kind of maligns the character of God. And, you know, at the heart of this whole discussion, I think, with truth, with censorship, with, you know, truth being distorted, with fake news, all of it, I think Christians need to understand that when you start attacking truth, when you start censoring and distorting truth, you're you're dealing with something that at its at its root level, spiritually, you're dealing with kind of a demonic, a devilish type spirit, right? There's a devilish nature to it, right? The nature of God does not want to suppress that which is true, right? Um, that which is true, God wants declared openly and freely and so i think christians you know it's my it's it's kind of my mindset and my prayer that christians would start to see this scenario this culture that we're in the chaos all the distortion this is not a good place and and we are not here because we have god's favor upon us as a nation you know we are here largely i believe because we've we've turned our back on god We've failed to um, to go out and preach the gospel to all creatures. We've failed to, um, you know, make disciples of all nations. We've failed to teach them to observe all that all that Jesus has commanded, as He told us in the Great Commission. And so, you know, part of this whole the you know the backdrop of the show is we want people, we want Christians to to realize this, and to realize that they need to go back to the Word of God, you know, for their source of truth. Um, so that we're not tossed to and fro by all these, you know, different things that we hear. And um, and to kind of stand up against, you know, these sort of, you know, big, you know, big tech media, you know, narratives that are that are basically, you know, their M.O. is is suppressing that which is true. Um, so anyways, that's kind of. That's kind of where my aim was with the show and you kind of you kind of led 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 us towards you know kind of that uh direction so yeah and uh if i may um something quick is just yeah we have about two minutes uh, so some some thoughts i I don't want to take up all of it no Um, just share some final thoughts and that's great okay yeah Uh, basically um what, what you were saying with truth uh i i believe that we are called for um, to share the gospel and be more intentional, uh, especially with what we're doing. And and to remember, it's not too late because um, intimidation and, and fear, kind of the enemy, wants to wants to do um, mm-hmm. where people just throw up their hands and say, "Oh, you know, what's the point?" Um, but yeah, to renew that commitment, renew that commitment to truth, and um, you know that the Lord is able to um, 
to intervene and yeah. uh, not to not to lose heart, but to go back like Amen. what you're saying and, and preach that truth. So thank you. Thank you, Brock. We appreciate the call, and we hope you will call back again. And God bless, right, man. Thank you. God bless. Thank you, Brock. All right. Daniel, do you have any closing thoughts? Uh, serve and worship God, who is truth, and do that in the truth. And by being in the truth and abiding in the truth, you abide in him. And the way in which you are in the truth and abide in the truth is to think that which is true, say that which is true, do that which is according to truth. And the source book for all these things, where you find all these things, is the revealed mind of God in the 66 books of the scriptures. Amen. Yeah, we just wanted to say thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thanks, Emma, for being our sound engineer in the studio tonight. Thanks, Daniel, for being here. Thank you. you know, I would I would leave you guys with Revelation 4, you know, something that's been an encouragement to me. In the midst of Satan, the accuser of our brethren, who it says accuses them day and night and is deceiving day and night, we see in Revelation 4 the four living creatures who are before the throne of God, and day and night they never stop saying, Holy Holy, holy, Lord God, the Almighty, who was, who is, and who is coming. So that is where our hope lies, that God is holy, 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 day and night. That doesn't change. And he is our rock, and we pray that you would stand on the rock of his scripture, his word, and that your house would never be shaken by the storms of life that come our way. So uh, this is Jason with Apologetics.com. Until next time. Keep the faith.